Okay. I think I'm in the right place. I've come to the northern reaches of Melbourne to interview Luke Beasley. I'm pretty excited. I'm a lot less nervous than usual. It's always that thing before an interview, you don't really know how it's going to go. Got all these questions rehearsed in my head that I'm hoping will lead the conversation in the right direction, but not sure if they're going to be appropriate. Of course, there's absolutely no reason to be nervous because Luke is just one of the nicest people. But you know, you want to lead the conversation in a good direction. You want to ask good questions. Hoping to ask Luke about coherence without being offensive and um, try to ignore the long, long list of prizes and fellowships that Luke has received because that will only put me in my head, which is ridiculous, I admit. We'll see how we go. Yeah, conversation in general is challenging. I just went over to Fully Booked, mm. which is my favorite secondhand bookshop. She's really enthusiastic. She's really yeah, enthusiastic yeah, and, really, and, and I, lovely. And they're, yeah, been, I think really keen to get, yeah, just to be, be open again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was one of those times where I replied you two, but it was absolutely not, that was not the reply. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, awkward, awkward, awkwardness everywhere. Um, but while I was there, I got, uh, you said you were moving out, but I'm going to give you a book anyway, because oh. I thought you'd really like this. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, what a beautiful Isn't object. it gorgeous? Yeah. It's Australian Poetry 1969, wow. as selected by, I can't remember. Vivian Smith. Vivian Smith. Right. Who, do we know who Vivian Smith is? I don't. Oh. I don't no idea. think so. But I love this because it's like a little time capsule. Because when you think 1969, I'm thinking yeah. School of 68, like Pam Brown, Ken yeah. Bolton, yeah. Alan yeah. Wern, they're all coming up. But when you look at that contents page, it's not those guys. Yeah, yeah. And it really gives a sense of what they were writing up against. Yeah, it's interesting to see... Um, that's an interesting idea, hey, like you're going through these names and, you know, some of these poets might have, I don't know, had moments where they were like taking like poetry very seriously, I guess, and mm. appeared in this book. And then mm. others, you know, have kind of, um, I guess their presence has lingered on, I guess. Um, thank you. Oh, no worries. Yeah, no, I was just like, well, I've got to have that. Um, yeah, James McCauley. Yeah, I just there. noticed his name pop up. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask you to start off with, I'm going to start a little bit like to the side mm-hmm. of your actual work, which I do want to get into. But um, I was a guest on a podcast out of the US last week talking about Ashbury. Mm-hmm. And I also brought up the Mali poems, mm. which... I found out that Ashbury taught for like 30 years. Oh, right. He was really into them, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and seeing Macaulay's name there, what I said in, in this um, chat was, oh, there were these two poets and they made this hoax poet. They kind of died off. 
but Mali mm. is this like long shadow over everything that we do. Mm-hmm. But even as I was saying that, I was like, I don't know, Alice. Like, I don't know <laughs> if people would agree with that anymore. Like, mm. is Mali in any way, shape, or form relevant to? Like, do you ever think about those poems? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of. Um, I think I can't remember which book. I think one of my poems in maybe New Works on Paper is sort of there's a sort of reference to Ern Mali and in this um and in the opening poem of um. Uh, Jam Sticky Vision is sort of a little homage to um, Kenneth Koch, um, Leonard Cohen. I kind of like the idea that those two names sounded the same, like sort of, I was as, as interested in that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and also Mali, Breton, comma, Roussel. So I guess I was trying to, I just liked the idea of just slipping on Mali in alongside um, Breton, Raymond Roussel, you know, these curious, strange sort of poets in their own right, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, because I just see Owen Malley's poetry as just a really fascinating and um, I just really like the poems. And I guess, I mean, it's almost um, the whole hoax is sort of, I don't know, started to move move further back in my mind really. And I just see that that work as being just really fascinating sort of phrasing and yeah, weird yeah. and just really great. And I think maybe Ashbury probably just felt the same way and just loved the idea that it came out of a hoax or came out of this weird attempt to to sort of mock something but really kind of backfired maybe or <laughs> yeah super backfired yeah yeah have you ever looked at that david brooks yeah tome sons of clovis yes yeah. it's a great i love that book yeah really i couldn't get through it oh really <laughs> See, <I'm, laughs> and i love david yeah, yeah david brooks is one of the one of my favorite australian um prose writers i guess um yeah. so there was a period where you know I'd be, you know, looking out always for, you know, when's David Brooks' next book coming out? And, you know, Mm. for for ages there was rumours of another short story collection. And Mm. I don't know, like, you know, in the Australian literary scene, these things take so much time. And Mm. um, so I was really interested in that that book. And, yeah, I was quite fascinated by by his approach. I mean, it was very compelling. But in the end, I was, you know, it's hard to know how much of it was a sort of sort of an evidence-based kind of project, but it mm. was very um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really compelling. Well, as much as I as much as much I read of it, I was like, well, this, it sounds great. The yeah. idea that they spent years and years coming up with this instead of one afternoon yeah, is pretty yeah. exciting. But it, I think, I yeah, I wonder how many other poets feel the same way as you do, which is like the fact that it's a hoax is pretty much irrelevant now. Now we just take... The poems mm. as poems and I know like yeah I, I should have thought of this before but I was reading before um, to prepare for this your poems on cordite and you've got a number of them in Children of Mali oh yeah um, that which I think is an early cordite yeah. yeah so we all had to have a a pseudonym didn't we for that one I think oh, so, right. yeah do you remember what yours was um I can't remember. Was, I think a lot of people was put, put Mally in their name or something. Mm. Or maybe it was just A Mally or something. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Okay. I think people, we were encouraged to, <laughs> I don't know, do that. Or, or maybe it's just an idea I had. I can't really remember. <laughs> but um, It's going a ways back now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I, I mean I, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a familiar experience for a lot of Australian poets of my generation, but, um, you know, there was a point where sort of I discovered this sort of New York school of poetry and Ashbury and 
um, Barbara Guest and um, O'Hara and and that was just um, very exciting and um, you know uh, and I sort of had a similar sort of feeling when I found those Mali um, poems like it just they were just very yeah strange and just the just the um, the language of them and you know it was very interesting and yeah I mean perhaps that was sort of like a, a, a sort of a nudge to kind of really um, return to the Australian contemporary poetry scene of you know the 60s and 70s and really sort of go deeper and search out mm. more I think a lot of Australian poets are really you know wowed by that you know Ashbury and the New York school but I mean it's good to keep sort of circling back and certainly there's so many poets now like you know where you can see those influences mm. the, oh completely um, like this this is also the kind of thing that I was trying to say in this discussion about Ashbury is that well I don't know that I went this far but I sort of thought about it later like it feels a lot like U.S. contemporary poetry has very much moved on mm. and it's now the kind of stuff that gets written and published and talked about is is very direct and very, um, I don't know, like straightforward, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But we are still thinking about Ashbury over here. Um, like I read a poem by Eileen Miles that was just published in The New Yorker the other week. And it was so... It was all there. Yeah, I don't know. Not that I would... I don't think you could say that Miles is an Ashbarian. But, yeah, we are still... We're still kind of grappling with him, mm. I think. I'm glad to... Like, you're yeah. nodding, which is good. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. like, too far well, off base. I mean, obviously, that yeah, there was that... Um, that anthology that Michael Farrell brought out, too, where it really sort of kind of demonstrated that there was just huge interest in his yeah. work. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, I, for some reason, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know whether, like, say, UK poets are as influenced, but um, but it's certainly he's a huge presence in Australian poetry still. I think, yeah, mm. I mean, yeah. I was wondering if maybe to to veer us into your work that you would like to read a poem to start sure. us off, and there is one in Aqua Spinach that we could look at which actually mentions a lot of these people oh great well um, that's good i like the idea of um because the idea of choosing sometimes is really i know hard. yeah so people like hate being it told is good. Yeah. um so it's a poem called searches all right um all right what pa oh did you have the page oh, yeah i'm always really bad at like figuring out where the oh here it is uh, 15. Yep. searches when john spoke so gently of frank's voice his soft voice crumbed the radio waves. Basically, O'Hara's voice was a meal, too. Similar and gentle, soft, as Ashbury said. He said it with a melancholy, but that tone was often in his voice, a muffled satisfaction. Hidden in the floor, they skirt echidna emotions and have a break, snack. I sit down in the warm air conditioning and try to conjure sorrow. I wear no tracksuit. Sprinting, though, I spill photographs of my childhood all over my shirt, and paper towels invade my perception of myself. When is shame's slow cunning going to walk up 
to a line of poetry on the street and introduce it to Ashbury, who met gentle O'Hara and argued with Stevens in that old hotel and woke up shameful of his surrealist libertarian heart? What puts Frank at the heart of Wallace Stevens? Exploding? John meets Frank on a dream, whims like delicate logic, into a cuneiform patience, his typewriter's medicinal restoration broken by 150 to 170 kilometer an hour luncheons. They took five minutes to become lifelong friends, said Ashbury, in the wind, a pure static of his thinking on Heidegger, hollow imagination, or nasal oppression, stomach interruption, sponge, or revenge. I can't keep the photocopying up. I can't. I can't wake. The light burns a hole in my eardrum clean, Western. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's interesting returning to that because I just, yeah, I mean, I haven't really re looked at this poem for so long. Mm. Um, do you want me to comment on this? Yes, <laughs> please. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, the, I mean, part of my, it, it's interesting, like a part of my, pr I mean, I have to sort of preface this with like, you know, a part of my process is, um, and certainly the process for these books is, um, at some point I started to um, write my first drafts in pencil um, and then I would just very quickly every day write something um, um, and just fire it down um, and then close the page and then come back another day and sometimes I'd continue on and other time if I was writing say something that in my mind I thought was short fiction but other times that'd be it like and then I just start again and go again and go again and, <laughs> and so I filled so many notebooks over the years and and often it took me so long to actually tr transcribe this writing to the computer and and so often you know when I was transcribing the work I would just have absolutely no idea of, I mean have no memory of any part of it or, or, or idea of where it, sort of where it came from or sometimes I could sort of remember like I think with this piece I was probably reading some sort of biographical thing about I don't know when um, John Ashbury first met Frank O'Hara I'm not po possibly part of my this is aquaspinach yeah possibly as part of the research of my thesis because I wrote my thesis on Barbara Guest um, but I really like this process for me is about kind of like um, having sort of the unconscious or like something that's subconscious um, shaping the, the work and and not consciously you know trying to avoid any you know what what I believe is sort of the clunkiness of conscious sort of shaping or narrative and just kind of um, allowing that that you know this sort of um, subconscious shape or narrative to kind of come through um, and allowing the associations to form in the moment of writing like so so yeah, it's, it's interesting looking at a piece that I, that I, you know, I wrote a long time ago, and you know, I'm sort of just another reader, like alongside going, God, what was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just prefacing, prefacing whatever I say. Um, yeah. But I guess, um, you know, there's that lovely um, camaraderie of the New York School that I guess a lot of people are very familiar with, and hopefully this piece picks up a little bit on that. Um, you know, I call it searches, sort of after the. Ford film and it ends with the word Western so I mean maybe it's sort of like um, sketching or framing these you know poets as sort of wild west kind of characters I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure you know in these 150 kilometer an hour luncheons you know like O'Hara is obviously sort of renowned for his charisma and you know quick witted nature and 
yeah, I guess, and this idea of photocopying, I mean, you know, we're all, you know, it's sort of the idea of um, influence and sort of, um, you know, how do we sort of pivot off another writer or, um, mm. I don't know, I guess that's some part of my <laughs> um, interpretation, I guess, and I'm not sure. It's kind of amazing because it's like you, you said, I'm just another reader. On the one hand, you've kind of vacuumed yourself out of the poem mm. like you don't seem particularly well it's not that you're unattached to the work but as the author mm. you're not there mm. really you're more of a transcriber but at the same time these are just little jottings that have just come through like you're trying to not think too hard mm. when you first write mm. and I would guess in the editing process trying to keep as much of that as you can Yep. So that's very revealing in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like someone, I think in a review once said, oh, well, I'd be interested to see how these pieces, um, what the edit editing process was. There must have been so much removed to kind of create these pieces. But um, thinking that, that, you know, these sentences were created by, remo you know, removing chunks and then leaving sort of. But I guess it, it is... It's this a strange, I mean, I was just doing this for years, this every day, like writing quickly. Um, so I don't know, I, I, I guess it's just a process. But hopefully it sort of allows everything that's, that I'm reading and thinking about to sort of come, come in at the right moment or it's mm. trusting in that, you know, and, and sort of continually pivoting off the musicality of the writing, I guess, as well. I don't know, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's interesting, hey, of like, I mean, often I do sort of think of, you know, when I'm coming back to to writing, uh, you know, that um, and typing it up, I really, I mean, that's the ultimate, that's the best way to edit really, but, you know, when, the, having sort of almost no, <laughs> like not really remembering the connection to the writing anymore. So you can just really edit, edit in a very sort of effective and objective way, looking for the little moments. And I think that's, it's really interesting what you picked up on, because I feel like most of my editing is like grappling with trying to keep that original, um, pace or the, the original draft in the air that, or, mm. or the feel of that quick writing mm. um, and that's what I sort of honor the most I mean that's sort of the editing you know thing that I that's what I carry you know to the page when I'm editing and yeah I don't know whether it's sort of late I mean I guess you could almost say it was the laziness or something you know not not wanting to change the form too much but it's still a very long process I think even the editing process just little tiny little tweaks and discovering you can just remove something and but then there's that sort of you know the conundrum of you know have I affected that original um, sort of energy or you know in the first draft I mean I guess that's what the what I mean I, I mean I, <laughs> because of last year and, and, and you know the challenges of, of of lockdown in Melbourne and I mean I, I found it wasn't in such a creative mode but I, so I decided to just go go you know just work on editing um right the, the few men there's, there's a few manuscripts i have in the end so so i thought editing is probably the best thing that i can do while homeschooling and doing a little bit of teaching and just sort of feeling very worn out and mm. <laughs> um so editing's really on my mind too so yeah, it's interesting yeah. to pick that up um well nobody's asked you as far as i could tell a lot of people have asked you about the writing of these poems like how did how does the material get mm. to the page in the first place but I was a lot less interested in that than the editing. Mm. And mm. I'm interested in it too because I see 
I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I see kind of like a lineage from the school of 68, Pam Brown, Ken Bolton, Mm -hmm. Laurie Duggan to your work. And they all have this ability, which I truly don't understand because I've tried to do it, to just keep this material that is so delicate and so it's like light as air and somehow they they capture it and they write it down Mm -hmm. there was a line that you said in an interview one of the poems in aqua spinach actually the green ray Mm. has a line it's almost not there and at times if the mind had wandered erasing parts of a paragraph or dialogues had run on and I just want to know how you guys do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but first of all, do you agree with that, like drawing that line from yeah. those guys? Or? Yeah, I mean, there are poets that I'm interested in. Um, I particularly enjoy sort of Ken Bolton's sort of, I mean, I was ex- sort of really excited when I first discovered sort of the link between his poetry and sort of music and jazz and yeah. and that. You know, and these very long, you know, these long sort of long pieces um, with words scattered on the page and and then trying to kind of, you know, keep going back to it and discover the, the sort of links between that and music, um, you know, that was really interesting. And so, so, yeah, certainly I'm interested in those poets, but I guess it's not often a very conscious sort of like I'm, you know, obviously like, I mean, I guess a lot of my... I mean, a lot of my writing is, you know, it just comes out of, you know, when interested in, in a lot of novelists and sort of, you know, Australian writers, contemporary writers who are writing now, like Melbourne writers and lots of international novelists and, you know, like New York school writers. And But I think the, I mean, I, I don't know what sort of, what, how those poets kind of, what, what their process is, but um, I think, you know, with my poetry it's been about just this trying to really concentrate on this on on that moment you know in the in the middle of making and 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 I'm always sort of interested in I I guess I read a lot of sort of experimental uh, fiction um, meta sort of writing and uh, that's my favorite sort of writing really where you know where the writer sort of is sort of suddenly referencing or just doubling back to kind of reference the act of writing or making and so you know when I'm watching movies um, I like movies that do that too, and and I sit and I watch films and and write sometimes, and and I like the idea of just sort of circling and um, bringing other media into the work. But I think the thing is, in the moment where I'm actually writing the draft, it's very quick. So it's just and just doing this for years and years and years, I guess, and just uh, you know that daily practice of writing quickly. Um, it's not really. I don't like the idea of it being like stream of consciousness because they're. I feel like they're. You know, each piece has is trying to sort of hold to some sort of frame, like, mm. um, and I feel like each piece is a little. You know, it's using a similar technique, but it's there is a little frame to it, which is whatever frame I'm sort of maybe the image that I'm starting out with. I think I think um, there are different types of poets. You know, there's poets who can you know write a poem in their head while they're walking around and mm. and they're editing it and they're tweaking it, and then eventually they'll feel satisfied and then write it down like I've never written a poem in that way like I remember someone telling me they like, write their poems by lying on the couch and then they just get up and just write it down write at the end. It down? Yeah. wow but I just <laughs> yeah well I mean I guess or people who compose very slowly or even fiction writers you know Murnane I think sort of famously sort of writes one sentence at a time and 
mean, that seems just painful. Yeah, um, no. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. He still manages to create these lovely cadences in his work, but it's just slow process. But um, <clears throat> I think um, it, everything's just got to be, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very suspicious of like consciously um, shaping something. The idea of me, like, I mean, it's weird because I, I sort of feel like, I mean, what could I come up with consciously to that would be interesting, like in terms of a narrative or something, you know, like <laughs> I feel like you've got to give that to your sleep or something, you know, you've got to like go to bed and metaphorically and let your and let that come up in, you know, trust in that beautiful shape of um, of that is there always, you know, like you can't that you can't avoid, you know, even when you're I sort of feel like even when I'm writing without thinking of a particular shape or narrative or plot, even in short fiction, you know, you come back to something, you know, months later and there are these fascinating little runnels and like little associations that, you know, that's the magic of sort of, that's the really fascinating stuff, I think, to me. Like, and when I'm reading as well, those weird, like, how does the, how are those connections made? And I think those connections that pop up out of this swift process are the more interesting you know mm. yeah I, have to make, I don't know if this is making any sense no <laughs> so, yeah. it, do, it does yeah. make sense i guess the thing i want to ask is why wouldn't it be interesting why wouldn't your narrative why wouldn't a luke beasley narrative <laughs> poem like why why couldn't you just write us a nice nice petrarchan sonnet yeah <laughs> well i think i just think um like i just think you know when you're when you're when you're kind of going to that sort of um when you're allowing it to come through in a sort of in in, in a in a strange kind of way, then it's just that you can go a little bit beyond yourself. Like you can almost step beyond your own capabilities. You know, like <laughs> I think. Um, whereas you know, when you're just sort of deciding on something, sort of like, okay, what am I gonna write about today? Or if you're confined by a form, maybe or I don't know. Like then, I feel like you're. You just have the limitations of yourself. <laughs> I don't, yeah, know, I don't right. know. That's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. I just feel like if I really want to, um, and I just feel like it's, I can tr sort of, I mean, it's also that thing of being, having that sort of remove where it's like, well, what, what, what do I know about, you know, what absolute would I come up with if I had to consciously sort of, you know, pick a theme for a piece or pick a sort of, um, a direction, you know, I feel like, well, that would be, that feels almost a little, sort of absolutist and I think it's sort of uh, to avoid that you know this fast process is a little and trusting that quick process where these sort of mysterious connections pop up um, mm -hmm. is is um, yeah just more more interesting and um, and I think it's just a little bit more communal <laughs> I don't know if I'm going too far but it's just a bit more communal or something it's a little more um, and empathic or in a way or it's it's just it, i don't know it allows me to kind of to question sort of things from and observe things from a little distance i mm -hmm. guess yeah I'm so not, a bit more inclusive rather than here is my stance and here is my yeah my thought on this topic yeah i think so i mean i think it sort of <clears throat> enables i think it enables maybe writers or or, and, or when i'm writing i sort of believe that it would enable me to to pick up on something that that I might have thought about in a lot of different ways over many years, like, rather than like, oh, what's my stance on on this particular issue, or 
I just like, and I like the idea of like, well, rather than starting with a, um, a specific sort of problem or theme, um, looking back over an entire collection and going, this is giving me this feeling of, of engagement with something or, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's a good, a good way to make art and that's the best way to make a political statement or, or maybe not the best way. I mean, obviously everyone's got different ways of writing, but I think it's a really, that can be a really powerful way of making even a political statement by, you know, oh, this book is overall just giving me a little bit of a feeling of this kind of sense, you know, like rather than it being more of a premeditated thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I think, leads me to what I, what I wanted to ask you about most, which is the question of coherence. Mm. So using that material, using this stuff that you've, you've written down very quickly mm. and then editing it, the results are like with, at the sentence level, they make sense syntactically, but at the level of the poem, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of came up for me when we had you at Impossible Machine. Yeah. And I remember thinking, because when we started that show, my co-producer was quite nervous about whether the team would understand the poems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as we did more and more shows, we got more and more... Well, I got more and more adventurous yeah, yeah. <laughs> without really telling him what I was doing. Yeah. And by the time we got to you, you were one of the poets, in fact, the only poet that the team turned around to me and said, oh, can we have Luke back? Like, oh, really? That was oh, really that's... fun. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to do oh, this that's again. Nice. I don't so... know whether that's a reflection of my... I mean, I just love the concept so much. Like, I just, <laughs> as you know, I was just like, this is the best. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it... It showed me how little coherence matters. Yeah, yeah, that's that's lovely. Um, that's a lovely thing to hear. I mean, I would think that that I mean that these poems would be good in that setting. But I mean, I you know I think as poets, you know, we get so sort of used to just reading poetry and it becomes very familiar to us. But I guess for people who don't encounter contemporary poetry so much, it can be quite quite difficult. Um, yeah, to and enc- I'm, yeah, I'm always thinking of that position when yeah, I make yeah. this podcast I'm always yeah. thinking of the people who are just at the very very beginning mm. of starting to read poems and I do admit to being quite anxious for them mm-hmm. that they're going to yeah, yeah. get confused and turn away from it yeah yeah uh, yeah well it's something I mean I guess sort of you know in my <clears throat> writing I've been writing in this kind of I mean you know <laughs> you have these moments where you're like oh my god my whole like a huge part of my life is writing these sort of nonsense um, text pieces, basically that I like for 20, 20 years, and you know, like this is, this is the, one of the, my main things that I do. You know, like you, you have these moments of like, this is really a bit strange, isn't it? Or you know, <laughs> because you know, and of course, you know, you meet people, you know, people who are not familiar with poetry and come to you know my launches and things, and you know, you can see the confusion at times and. Mm. Um, but interestingly, like when if when I've done like workshops in schools and you know I find that children really really get it like yeah. often get get like the abstraction in in, in um, these poems like no, no problem like I think um, they just sort of get the vibe of of it, especially when they hear it, hear it read out loud I think they just sort of there's something that they 
that they're connected to. I don't know. But um, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, as I was saying, like, I, I, I guess I would, you know, would have thought that, that, you know, like poetry, because it's so dense, like there's so much material for the, for the, for the actors to work with in a way, because they can pick out a little phrase or they can pick out uh, an image that might have come to them or mm. um, a lot of contemporary sort of poetry, especially sort of, you know, um, you know, New York school sort of influence or surrealist sort of contemporary poetry. There's so many images jammed in. And, you know, yeah. and so f- to me, it's like a great um, one to pivot off if you, you know, in this in this setting where where actors are having to kind of hear a poem for the first time and then respond to it. I think, um, you know, they can you know, they, they can create this sort of weird collage like right in front of you. I think that's so, which is cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I can understand any appreh- apprehension as well around, you know, the not someone who's, yes, either just coming to contemporary poetry for the first time. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people haven't really um, been exposed to really great contemporary poetry in school, which is a shame because there's so much great work out there, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, so you can sort of understand people's um, confusion at times, but well, it's just, before they give in to the feeling rather than wondering whether they understand it or trying to puzzle it out. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not a quiz, mm. but it just takes somebody to lead you through that little bit of mm. thinking to say, just so you know, there's no right answer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and your response is a valid response Mm. yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah i'm just laughing at myself sitting here because i had no i promised myself i was not going to ask you about process or influence (laughs) and yeah i've just done exactly that um i tend to i mean i probably led led you down there because i i think when in doubt i just talk about my process like sometimes when i'm you know because i i feel like that's an easy Thing for way for me to understand what's going on in my own work. I'm just like, well, this is my process, so you know, and these come out of that process. But mm. yeah, it's hard to you know talk about your own work sometimes. I think so. I often fall back into any opportunity to <laughs> go there. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to ask you about though was humor. Mm. So I think one of the other reasons that the team really wanted to have you back is that these poems are very very funny. The first line in Aqua Spinach is, in the morning I started writing so slowly I got on the bus. <laughs> it's just like... And I wanted to ask you the same question that I asked Michael Farrell when I interviewed him now a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, does it matter to you whether the readers get the joke? Well, I think it doesn't really matter uh, if the readers get all the jokes, <laughs> but I definitely like humor is really a big like that's in the foreground for me like i'm mostly just trying to you know write funny nonsense stuff like which which is you know so i mean if someone came away from my work and i mean you know when you sometimes you do a poetry reading and and people are like you know furrowing their brow and just really trying to you know there's dead silence and i finished reading the poem and i think to myself i should have um I should have just prepped the audience a little more or something and just let them know that, you know, this is supposed to be funny. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes you've got to prep people's expectations. And when people think poetry, they're like, oh, I've got to really get, get, you know, start thinking seriously and sort of like, what's, you know, what's going on here? Like, but in the end, yeah, I mean, the humor is really important. Um, and, and, and one thing that I, disc- I 
have discovered over the years. And I hope that this will, I don't know, hope that this is going to be part of my sort of writing future in a way is at some point along the way, um, you know, when I was doing poetry readings, you know, I've more and more been either sort of improvising a little bit of banter between the poems or so when I play live and when I'm playing music, I sometimes improvise um, some some banter. But when I'm doing a poetry reading, usually I, what I do is I I go to one of, I find a poem um, where the humor is just a little more on the surface and I, and I try and I translate that into a sort of almost like a stand-up comedy sort of monologue I guess mm -hmm. and I just tweak little bits and and I try to and I, sometimes I might just add a, add a line or but I've, I've discovered that I can sort of translate some of these prose poems into these little comedic monologues um, and so I've got like a you know I guess over the years I've sort of done that to a few poems and I've got a you know bunch of bunch of them that I can sometimes do as an introduction to a reading or something like that and also helps to prep the audience um, yeah but there's certainly like I've got a whole bunch so many of these now that I've 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 been thinking about collect, collecting them into a more formal I mean into a into a, a monologue like and seeing if I can yeah do something with them in the future um, mm -hmm. like um, I have spoken to a sort of a theater producer sort of last year and I mean um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it just hasn't been like the right <laughs> time in Melbourne, but, but I think it could be something to do in the future. But certainly, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, that, yeah, I mean, I think, I'd, I, I, I mean, I like it when people have a chuckle when <laughs> yeah. I'm reading the poem. So I'm glad you sort of find, find that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like, um, maybe it would be good to read another one just to give a sense of that. Is there any that you, is like a go-to for that or <laughs> he knows all this pressure of my yeah it better you know, be funny um <laughs> i don't know um i mean they all have a little bit of like sort of just fooling around going on in them i guess but um i mean i could read the opening piece of from jam sticky vision i mean i yeah, guess amazing. that's um we were talking about those connections between Mally and breton and marcel and i guess um, and I call it a thousand characters because I'm sort of not only sort of because the actual piece is about a thousand sort of um, you know letters characters um, but you know that trying to kind of this idea of pivoting off you know influence you know and 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 you know writers of humor and you know surrealism and you know I guess writers of character so it's yeah a thousand characters this too is about a thousand characters it's much like the last one. I wouldn't even read beyond the following sentence. The following sentence is a silky thing, purple in the late day, drizzled in smog. Inside a microwave oven is milk rising to warmth. Inside the dusk is an excuse for certain birds to frolic on the freshly cut lawn too long, picking at insects. They're eaten by sparrow hawks. It's pretty gruesome. The rugby team on their regular jog starts slipping on the mess of birds. From a distance, it looks like a scrum or naval exercise. It's getting dark remarkably quickly, and the clouds just above the line of trees which form the horizon here are salmon pink. At the local gelati shop, they'd call it grapefruit. Navy tinges fringe the pale pink. Fish await. It's beyond human understanding how someone might have reached this sentence. I could write about pork. 
The sparrowhawk eats well and feeds parts of its name to its young, and its young feed parts of their own name to their first flight. Nature is documentary now, and it's where we slip. See the magpie on the end of my sandwich? I knew it was to be written, probably, and it curved here like a ball in a stadium. But there is no crowd, bird, alone in the credits. Some gaffers, giraffes with appalling foot rot trot over to the microphone and disco ball concussions, the wild shining toffee of the dance floor on this afternoon as the moon pierces in. So I think, yeah, that, that piece also picks up a little bit on this sort of, I'm often, you know, like a little bit baffled by the, <laughs> you know, I mean, as baffled as maybe some other people as well by the nature of contemporary poetry. And like sort of in the middle of that piece, it's like, you know, I could write about pork, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, what, you know, what am I doing? I can like, do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, also, this is sort of like, what, I mean, yeah, what, I mean, what is, you know, what, what is, is this? You know? <laughs> Did you, know. do you read your reviews? Uh, yes. Yeah. Have you read the review of like, Martin Dull, Martin Dull, Jewel, yeah. Jewel? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. That was, that was. It's interesting. I was thinking. I don't know. I don't know well, maybe I'll wait to hear what well, you want to say. Well, that. I just because I read it just before yeah. I kind of came across it, just in preparing. <clears throat> and this is of your first book, so mm, this mm. is a review of Lemon Shark yeah, from yeah. two thousand six. And I, I would take this as a huge compliment that you're getting this much sort of uh, frowning, bemused kind yeah. of from from Martin. Yeah. Um. He's. He's taking it as seriously as he possibly yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, <laughs> was not. Um, no, yeah, was a little, a little baffled. And I like. I mean, I because it's funny. I was in India at the time, and mm. I think Martin actually sent um, the review to me just because he was like, "Is this all right?" Like, yeah. which was kind of very That's unusual nice. in the in the you know. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think usually there's much relationship between a reviewer and a and, a, and an author. Yeah, um, kind of never really. Yeah, because um, I had done my master's at the University of Queensland, and I guess he was familiar. But at the time, I was just super excited by it because I was like, "Oh my god, Martin Jewell is like clicking up my," because yeah. so, you know, because at the time he was this sort of and still is like a you know very um, you know curious curious um, presence in Australian poetry, and that's someone who is dedicated to reviewing poetry without writing it himself. Yeah, kind um, of kind of amazing. Mm. But I was very excited by his. Sort of, ba- sort of slight bafflement and, and almost concern that that it could become. Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought people could be to doing more of this, but yeah, uh, that's that's the bit that I wanted to highlight. So in the first, the opening paragraph here, he says, "This first book by Luke Beasley is the product of a deeply unusual poetic sensibility, and it says something about the power of the book that it leaves a reader wondering what, if such an approach to poetry were to become endemic, Australian poetry would look like." And whether or not it would be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so worried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I love that. I mean, that was yeah. my favourite part of the, yeah. the review. I mean, the, he sort of was quite sort of direct and, I mean, he really didn't hold back in the review in some parts. But yeah. I, and I sort of wondered later on, I was just, that I was so carried away by just the fact that he reviewed it that I sh- maybe should have sort of mentioned, well, oh, there's a couple of bits that were, <laughs> but anyway, like, I guess it, he's reviewing a book and, um, it's just out there, but I just said, "Oh yeah, it's great." Like, mm. um, but he was quite, yeah. It was an interesting. I do approach. think it's, it's yeah, just a such re- a huge review. compliment, like that. That early on, two thousand six, first book, and yeah, to have this sort of laser focus. Uh, 
Mm. I mean, he wouldn't bother if he didn't think it was worthwhile. Um, yeah, so he, he talks about um, a poem of yours that I have a memory of being like fully convinced of your work by this poem, um, but now I can't figure out how I would have gotten my hands on it because I've right. never read Lemon Shark and it's not published yep. anywhere online. But you wrote in response to um, In the Mood for Love, the mm. Wong Kar Wai film. Yeah. Just probably one of the best movies. Yeah. <laughs> best um, contemporary movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so he, the review says, one of the most attractive poems in the book, Happy Together, 16 Poems, is a response to the Wong Kar Wai film In the Mood for Love. It does not repeat many of the images of that film, but does rejoice in its intensely visual approach to the couple's relationship. In its obsession with the shapes of the woman's body, with rising smoke and patterned walls, I read this poem as a mimicking of the film's method. What might be 16 scenes become 16 poems, though, interestingly. We're never quite sure where the dividing line between the poems are. I hope this is deliberate and not just a result of the process of typesetting the book because uncertainty about the beginnings and endings of scenes is one of the features of In the Mood for Love. Um, and then mm. he says the poem's emphasis is on surfaces. He seems to be kind of getting at this thing that, like, well, in Martin's world, he doesn't want you to be distracted by surfaces. Or I think you said at the very beginning you liked the relationship between Coke's name and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Cohen, Coke Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Coke Cohen. So he's worried about that. The right, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want you yeah. to go down that road, yeah, but yeah. you're already gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's concerned about just this, like, almost being um, sort of distracted from meaning by by aesthetics or like yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And so that's that's what I'm trying to get at in these um, jumbled yeah. questions around coherence is like. A writer, a reviewer like Martin Jewell and many, many poets and readers of poetry are looking for meaning. Mm. And that's not your concern. Um, And I feel lucky that when I started really getting serious about poetry, I was very early introduced to Gertrude Stein. Mm -hmm. And that kind of freed me. Yeah. Um, but it did take somebody to sort of lead me by the hand and say, just remember that life doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So if your poems don't make sense, that's probably kind of appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might, yeah, that's... I mean, I, I think it sort of goes back to that thing where of... I mean, I guess what earlier I was trying to talk about, um, you know, this process hopefully allows, you know, this less conscious sort of or sort of... Um, heavy-handed sort of approach to um, sort of, for example, narration or or, um, or shape, but you could replace that with with meaning as well. Like I guess this idea of discovering meaning in a work by sort of looking back on it and getting this sense via via sort of associations and feelings and aesthetics and and certainly to me that that's very meaningful. Um, but yeah, to sort of start with a premise of meaning and and and, and then build from that 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 seems more that that's sort of the opposite i think does it um, seem disingenuous to you yeah yeah i mean i think i mean a lot of the time i really <clears throat> i mean i watch movies um you know ever, you know ever since i started writing poetry of and and that piece was a really important piece for me because that was i think the first time that i was actually because i'd watched that movie so many times that mm-hmm. it was it was just inevitable that i would was sitting on the couch with 
with my computer one day and started writing alongside the movie in it. And, and it's the music in the film and the, and the feeling and that beautiful attentive feeling that you have when you're watching a film. Um, I feel like that's the, that's the perfect um, space for creativity really for me. Mm. When you're sitting watching a film and you know, you, you suddenly get sort of different ideas and, but it's relaxed, it's a, you're, you're alert, but sort of slightly comfortable. And, mm. um, and in a cinema even more so, you know, you're in the dark. And, but that, yeah, that was, that was a discovery that I could write while watching a, a film. Um, mm. and, but the feeling I was having while watching the film was, was, was as important as what was happening on the screen. And I think, I don't know, I think sort of Martin was grappling with that a little bit in that review. But, um, but I think that's the thing. It's like, um, I think we forgive cinema for being, for, for being a little more abstract and for just being more about feeling. I think that there's so much more, I mean, this is my feeling, that there's so much more... Um, uh, patience for cinema to not sort of solve things um, thousand percent yeah yeah totally i mean yeah well like sort of like david lynch is a hugely yeah, popular david, filmmaker yeah. <laughs> and whereas um like i sometimes try to sort of bring up lynch in my work with little puns about lunch and things like that but because i just want people to because <laughs> so many people will go to a david lynch film and be like wow that was so cool like but it's it's just exactly doing like what a lot of contemporary poetry is doing. There's sort of, I mean, there's no puzzle. Like it's, there's no, you don't have to figure out what, um, you know, Mulholland Drive means. Like it's, you, you cause you'll just get tangled up. Like it, you just got to accept the, um, you know, most of his films, you just accept this strange, you know, like he's just kind of dreaming them in a way. Like, and, and, and mm-hmm. but it works so well on screen and people are like, Oh yeah, that's totally fine. But when confronted with it on the page, people are like, "Whoa, what's this create? You know, <laughs> yeah. what does it mean?" Or like, I, I, "I don't, I don't get this. I don't feel comfortable not sort of feeling." Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I just think cinema is yeah, it's amazing. That it can kind of do more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why there is that that double standard, but I think <clears throat> when it's a poem, people feel tricked. People feel yeah, like right. it's James McCauley and Harold Stewart sitting in the barracks making, you know, laughing and drinking and making fun of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when it's David Lynch, it's like, oh, no, no. If I could figure this out, then I'd be as smart as David Lynch is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But David Lynch is just like, I don't know. Half the time I just don't know what's up with him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even a, a seemingly straightforward narrative movie, like I'm, I've been thinking about The Big Sleep recently. Mm-hmm. Even the people who made The Big Sleep don't know what happens in the film. Mm-hmm. They Apparently there was a conversation bet- between the producer mm. and director about three quarters of the way through and they were like, do you know what happens here? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, don't, I can't explain it. I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. just need more scenes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> of them drinking at the bar. We'll fix it later. Right, right. Um, yeah, but it's like there's this idea that there's an answer that you can get to mm. with a movie, whereas with a poem, it's like, oh, well, I guess there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you're, fr- yeah, you're throwing in scenes in a movie and they can work because of this framing. and You know, and a poem works in that way too. Like you... You know, you can throw stuff down and then a piece just won't work because it just won't have some... I mean, it's hard to put your finger on it, but there's often just this little slight frame or something that just holds it together. And, mm. yeah, and imagine, you know, putting a scene together in a film um, that can... Yeah, you, it can just work if, if things are, you know, if all the, all the elements are coming together. Yeah. Um, mm. 
I've been kind of ending my interviews with this question recently. <laughs> what do you wish there was more of? What do you wish people would talk about more? What do you think would be more? What do you wish would be more rewarded? Um, what excites you that you'd like to see more of? Does anything come to mind? Just in general. Just in in <clears throat> in poetry land. Um, maybe I mean I think I'm often frustrated because I know there's a lot of really good, like. Yeah, I think what comes to mind is is like stepping back to the Australian literary scene in general and, and, and knowing that there's so much dynamic sort of contemporary poetry, you know, in Melbourne, Sydney, you know, I mean, I'm familiar with those two cities in particular, um, you know, a few Britain, you know, Brisbane as well. But, um, but in Australia, there's a lot of really um, fascinating, like beautiful um sort of sentences being written in in contemporary poetry um, and, and just dynamic and um, really um, beautifully stylized kind of moments happening in contemporary Australian poetry. And I don't think um, <laughs> that's happening, say, in terms of, say, a lot of novels that are being written in Australia. Like, I think you know, it's really difficult to, I think, to for, for to publish a, you know, in the in the world probably as well. I mean, it's certainly not just Australia, but I think it's really difficult to publish a, you know, a stylistic aesthetic sort of novel these days without. I mean, I think publishers are very wary and um, nervous about it being commercial or having mm. certain characteristics. But I think, and that causes, I think, a situation where you have some sort of um, sort of literary novels that. That are, that are doing like really interesting stuff, the kind of stuff that's really you know incredibly incredible that, that that's already happening in poetry. Um, when that's sort of translated to the to a to a novel, I, or I find sometimes that's kind of relegated to a smaller press and or experimental that's experimental fiction or yeah, you know it's yeah, sort yeah. of like let's place that in a sort of a category. Um, whereas I feel like people are, I think people. And I, maybe what I'm saying is I think people could be, it's a good conversation to have. I think people are maybe underestimating, um, say, literary culture's ability to, 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 I think people would, would want to read those novels, you know, in a, I yeah. think, I think we're, I mean, I think, feel like publishers are, are a little nervous about sort of embracing that. And I think maybe even the, well, even in the nineties, there was more interesting sort of literary fiction being published in Australia, um, you know, David Brooks is one of those people. David um, Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, was that um, McPhee? Was it McPhee Gribble, the publisher? I mean, they published so many real sort of more experimental writers. And I mean, so I guess I, I just feel like the, you know, why does this this beautiful style stylistic sort of sentence making have to be sort of um, sort of um, be hidden away in poet in contemporary poetry or you know like cons- you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know. I'm just sort of speaking on the top of my head. But, no, it's um, funny though because you're making me think about finally being able to go back into bookshops the last couple of weeks and hearing, overhearing a conversation where <laughs> a girl was like, "Oh, what else? What else should I read? Like, have you got something to mm-hmm. recommend to me?" And the the bookshop owner was like, "Well, have you read any Helen Garner?" <laughs> and they got into yeah. this big chat about like, oh, I love Helen Garner. Yeah, She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I also love Helen Garner because I'm a, you know, white woman of a certain age. But Yeah, I mean, Helen Garner's great. She's but, great, but she's yeah. like spare. She's crystal <laughs> yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, and she is 
monolithic in her popularity. Mm, you know, mm. we love Helen. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we wouldn't like it if she got too weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's I mean, even just the fact that Gerald Manane is sort of hardly known in Australia, you know, for mm. writing these very original sentences. And I mean, I guess mm. maybe that's a good example of someone who. I mean, I think people are very slowly coming around to and very surprised to find his work because it's just so imaginative. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's and I'm not. I mean, I think there's some really um, obviously there's some fantastic Australian novelists out there, and um, and I think there's some really interesting structures and um, narratives out there. But I just think, I mean, I think that um, short fiction and fiction can be more like um, film and and have a less focus on narrative, but still be really interesting. And I, but I think I think there's a real cautiousness at the moment around publishing that that sort of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that I read. I mean, I just mostly read, you know, like fiction published by New Directions or Fitzcarraldo editions. You know, they sort of I guess it's sort of considered experimental fiction. You know, but I think it's I think more people would be really into it. I think I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just I don't know. Maybe that's just my my taste. But I just think. Um, there's space for, I think people would really, really enjoy a little bit more playfulness in the, on, on the, at the sentence level, I think, in, in, a, in, in literary fiction mm. um, in Australia. Australia um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Uh, would you like to read something to take us out? Oh, sure. Um, I th maybe I'll read um, White Lines on Pink, yeah which I, I kind of sort of comes after a tiny toxin painting. Um, one of my favorite um, toxin paintings, which was in the art uh, Queensland Art Gallery when I was really starting to go to like really take a strong interest in art in my early 20s and came across this painting and it just blew me away and um, I would just visit it all the time. I mean, this poem wasn't necessarily written in response to that painting, but I think I decided to place that as a title because it was giving me a feel of something painterly or something. So yeah, this is White Lines on Pink. I arrived by the pink bark-stripped eucalyptus tree last Sunday and went straight to bed. I slept in the pink light of a eucalyptus tree. Sleeping was easy until I dreamed the bark stripped from my own pillow. Owl embroidered childhood pillow, collected in dream lichen, fluorescent, and waiting on kindling. Something I could possibly trace back to a family tree, to the nomenclature of an arborist's labor. Apples, while the sound of the river refused any softening. I sat close to its stereo, woke up in pins and needles. To acknowledge the fireplace here and the fireplace in the sound of the second home of my childhood. Smoke flooded the house, the brickwork at poor angles, a shout ricocheting off the river as I made the bed and prepared breakfast, simply and with turned eggs and the eye of the e.g. always drawing on emotion caused by repetition. Thanks.